welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Hello, and welcome to episode 248 of the podcast. Happy 4th of July tomorrow, <laughs> or depending upon when you're listening to this, this is coming out the day before 4th of July. Hope everyone is having a great time spending time with their family. We have a special military episode for you today. As many of you know, I am a military wife myself. My husband is a Navy JAG. The military was never really something that I thought would be part of my story, but four years in, here I am. And so coming off this Friday, I'm going to share with you the things that I have learned through my military experience, both personally, as a family, and yeah. So just keep with that military theme this whole first week of July. Today I have an episode with a fellow military wife. Rachel Beakley and her family are currently stationed in Japan. She's a mom of five, but what makes her truly unique is that four of those babies are quadruplets. So we're going to talk about military life, we're going to talk about raising quads, we're going to talk about living internationally. It's just a really great conversation and I cannot wait to share with you Rachel today. So let's get to my conversation with Rachel Beakley. All right, I want to welcome Rachel Beakley to the show. Hi, Rachel. Hello. How are you? Uh, doing well. Just busy as usual, but doing well. Yes, you do have your hands full, more than your hands, your hands, your legs, everything. You're fully outnumbered by your children. <laughs> Completely, yes. <laughs> Completely. Well, I'm speaking to you at 10 a.m. your time in Japan. It is 6 p.m. the day before my time, and you have a British accent. So this is just a little confusing. Yeah. Is that confusing enough for you? <laughs> so were you raised in in England? I was, yes. Okay. Um, I am from a tiny little town in North Yorkshire called Knaresborough. Um, and I lived there until I got married. So I think I was 22 when I moved to, to the States. Um, so yes, born and raised in England. And what took you to the States? Um, I My husband is American, um, and uh, he lived in England for a couple of years. Um, he was serving as a missionary for the church that we go to. Mm-hmm. So we met briefly when he was doing that, and then uh, I moved to the States after we got married. And what is that like, moving halfway around the world, leaving the family that you know, the normalcy that you know, did it feel very drastic and different or what did it feel like for you? Um, so it was interesting. We went through quite a long drawn out period while we were waiting for my green card stuff to get sorted out. Mm -hmm. And so by the time it finally happened, I was just ready to move. I, I think it was an 18 month period where we were working on that, all of that stuff. And so as horrible as that was, it made the transition much easier because I was just ready to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we we lived in New Mexico. That's the we I moved to Albuquerque, and it was definitely a shock because I was from a tiny little town, and it it could not have been more different than Albuquerque no. really. So I remember the drive home from the airport, just thinking, where <laughs> like what planet am I on? What is happening? Um, but 
I, I, I loved it there and it was just great to finally be with my husband after waiting longer than ideal to get to do that. So. I bet. I bet. Gosh, it makes you really appreciate it once you're just finally there. You're like, I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm like, I would move anywhere at this point. So Exactly. Well, this is going to be a fascinating conversation. There just is so many facets to your story, but specifically we're going to talk about your military experience and everything because this is going to air the day before the 4th of July. I'm a military spouse as well, so we kind of have a unique um existence and life experience, especially living abroad like you do. So let's just start at the beginning of your motherhood journey. Tell me about what you envisioned for your family and how that all unfolded leading up to your big surprise of <laughs> your your multiples. Sure. Well, my husband and I are both from big families. Um, I'm one of five kids um, and he's the oldest of six children. And so that was just something that was very natural for us. Um, as we were dating, that's something that we talked about was that we had hopes that we would have a big family, like the ones that we came from. Um, I think for us, like our siblings, especially now that we're older, are our best friends. Um, and I think we both kind of wanted that for, for our children too. Um, so there we did have this expectation of having lots of children, um, and it did not happen at all in the way that we thought that it would. Um, we, um, I was 26 when we had our oldest, um, and it took a little longer to get pregnant with her than, than we were expecting. Um, and we were actually just starting to go through fertility testing um, when I found out that I was actually pregnant with her. So that was a, a nice surprise. Um, it just sort of went from there, really. Um, and was it what you had thought it would be? Because when you're going through infertility testing and not really sure, is this going to happen for us? How is it going to happen? There's kind of a lot of buildups. So then you finally have that babe in arms, and is it what you thought it would be? Uh, it, it was it was a, a huge – it rocked my world in yeah. so many ways. And it was wonderful, and it was um, just incredibly hard work. I had – just no idea what I was in for at all in becoming a mother. Um, but it, it was because we'd worked, waited longer than we really wanted to. I think we were always aware of that. And it, it makes those hard days more manageable because you're just grateful that, okay, I get to be a mom. And for a while when I'd been thinking, maybe I won't have that. Um, it, it did definitely help me on those, on those harder days. I, I think it, it was just such a learning curve. I mm -hmm. remember feeling like I was so selfish before I became a mother, like my world revolved really around me. And so it was just a huge shock to the system to, to be with a newborn who needs you constantly. And I, I didn't have a un full understanding of the, the needs of an infant. And I don't think anybody really does and, until they until they have one. Yeah, I think there, there is always that feeling of, I'm just grateful that I that I get to, to do this. Mm, I love that. And so then moving on in the next few years, you were hoping to grow your family again, and it proved even more challenging that time, right? Yes. Um, we actually started trying again fairly soon because of how long it had taken with Charlotte. Um, um, and I actually got pregnant and miscarried. Um, and then after, after that, um, just trying for... I forget how long now. Oh my gosh, it was just a blur that <laughs> seemed to drag on for a long time. But 
Um, that time we did get referred to a fertility specialist. So after you started going through treatments, what were your options? And then finally, how did it result in a positive pregnancy for you? Okay, so um, we, with our insurance that we had, um, IVF was off the cards for us. My husband was in dental school at the time, um, and our insurance didn't cover it. And so financially, we knew IVF was off the table. Um, and so our our doctor recommended gonoleph therapy, which is what we ended up doing. Um, and so that's essentially where they you inject your, yourself with um, hormones um, and release, and then they do a trigger shot where more eggs are released at one time in the hopes that one of them will be fertilized. Mm. Um, and we were told that the chances of it working were very slim. Most patients... Um, We'll do that for three rounds and then ultimately end up going on to IVF anyway. So we figured I was kind of at the end of my rope and I'd, I'd had enough of disappointment. And so I, I remember saying to my husband, we will do this for one round. And if it doesn't work, then that's that's it. Like, I can't keep going mm-hmm. through this. Um, and so that's that's what we did was we went in for that one round and had very low expectations of it working and obviously one round was was all it took for for us and it definitely worked (laughs) and what did you find out in terms of it worked so um i i'd gone in for blood work i think at the the six week point after um having the trigger shot and um i actually i could already tell that i was pregnant because my tummy was already sticking out a little bit which I know sounds completely ridiculous but I hadn't had the call yet from the doctor but I knew I was pregnant so when she called to confirm it it was just like well I already know thanks for letting me (laughs) know that so let's get in and so in my head I already could tell that it was different from being pregnant with just one so in my head I'm thinking I'm having twins I can tell this is more than one and then I went in for an ultrasound at seven weeks. And that's when we found out that actually I was pregnant with quintuplets. That was completely not expected at all. And just pure shock, really. And, you were, um, and you'd always thought like, yes, we want to have a large family. But most people never envision it. We're going to have it all in one shot, right? Or the right, two shots, exactly, right? Exactly, exactly. It did not happen how we thought that it would at all. Wow. And I remember when we when we were talking to the doctor before going through the going to left cycle, she told us multiples is a possibility. But in my head, multiples meant twins. Like, it yeah. never occurred to me that multiples could be triplets or quadruplets or quintuplets and on and on like that just never (laughs) crossed my mind at all so obviously I was very naive anyway but yes it was it was a huge shock and do you remember what people said when you told them like who did you tell and what were some of the best reactions so we told my family pretty much straight away and they were everyone was super excited and really positive about it mm-hmm. and so it was nice it was really nice because we were just feeling completely overwhelmed and we didn't know what to think like my mind was just blown um and so it was it was really nice to have that just reassurance from family like this is exciting this is great news because we were just in a processing stage where we didn't know what to feel like we were happy to be pregnant 
and completely terrified of any mm. babies being born because there were going to be so many of them. And so just the the excitement that our family members felt like that kind of trickled yeah. down to us and helped us feel a little more confident, I suppose. Yeah, more at peace with feeling the joy instead of I should be totally right, right. freaked out all the time, right? Yeah. Yes. I, I get it. I get it. And sadly, you did end up losing one of those babies. How far along with you when you found out that one of them was not going to make it to term? And, and then what were you advised by your doctor? So we found we went in for another ultrasound at nine weeks. Um, so just a couple of weeks after we'd found out the news in the first place. Um, and then and the fifth baby at that point um, no longer had a heartbeat. It was an odd feeling because... I remember feeling, honestly, like more than anything else, like a, a sense of, of relief in a way, which I still feel guilty about, but it was very different to when I'd had a miscarriage earlier. It was just a completely different feeling. I think I feel like it happened that way for a reason, because the whole time when I was pregnant with the five, I just had this overwhelmed feeling of, this is this is impossible. And then when we found out that there there's four I remember both of my husband were like oh four's okay like we can we can manage four wow and it it, it's sort of like it was not not relief that that baby wasn't there anymore but relief that we felt like we would manage better somehow Mm. um it was a very confused like confusing emotions like we were sad but we were relieved and it was it was just so much going on at once Um, And it kind of affected the rest of my pregnancy, too, because when you're pregnant with high order multiples, you never really get to a safe point where your chances of miscarriage go down. Like you can lose a baby at at any point. And so there was always a lot of anxiety every time I was going to the hospital and every time we were doing another ultrasound. You know, are they all still going to have a heartbeat? And so there was that it made it more of a reality that we could lose them at any point. And that's something that the doctors tell you early in the pregnancy is you may end up losing all of them if you if you keep all of them. Mm. And so that reality was very real to us that that was a possibility. And was this in New Mexico? Um, this was actually in Las Vegas. Okay. Um, that's where my husband went to dental school. Got it. Um, and then we we actually moved from there when I was 12 weeks, weeks pregnant. Um, so... Uh, the specialist that we worked with in Las Vegas was very, I want to say adamant that we, that we reduced, um, the babies. Mm-hmm. She was, uh, it, it almost didn't feel like it was a choice that we had. It was, wow. you need to reduce them. Like, this is what's going to happen next. Um, and so it was really a relief when we moved to Chicago, which was our first duty station, because when we got there, it was too late to reduce at that point. And so we kind of arrived with the attitude of we're not reducing. We want to get these babies here as safely as possible. Like we understand the risks. We understand the possible outcomes, but we're just going to have to trust in mm-hmm. in God and see what happens. And so it was nice to get a fresh start at that 12 week point with new doctors and new care and just proceed in a totally different way. So Sure. And and in terms of the reduction they were suggesting, would that have just been kind of a random reduction or were there certain markers for certain, you know, baby A, baby B that would have led them to say like this one is maybe less strong or would it have been arbitrary? 
so it, it would have been fairly arbitrary from what I understand wow. at that point because they were so because they were yeah. still so small it would it would be just the ones that were the easiest access to wow it was too, it was too early to assess who has better you know who has yeah. better um chances in terms of health or development it was just who's easiest to get to and that's, that's wow who who's out of who's out of luck basically wow right wee. right exactly what a choice to that we shouldn't really be making but that's a whole nother that's a whole nother thing but I'm so yeah. glad you had <laughs> had doctors on your side that saw things from your perspective and thought okay this is your choice and so now mm-hmm. we are going to support you in keeping these babies in as long as possible and get them right. here as healthy and safely as possible exactly and so how did the rest of your pregnancy move along I'm sure it feels much different to carry multiple multiples um were there any major (laughs) major differences and how did that transpire um it just it it accelerated so quickly it um my my husband went to officer training school um right after we moved to Chicago so I think I was 13 weeks when he left and I think 18 weeks when he got back and my belly was drastically different (laughs) and it was just a period of a couple of weeks but it was it just on a daily basis it was visibly bigger and so that was just crazy to to witness it just was so accelerated it was bizarre and I thankfully for me it went very smoothly I really didn't have any um major health issues the main concern I had was just pain in my in my back um and I, my doctor would say okay you need to go to bed before the pain kicks in don't wait for it to get to to that point that you can't walk around anymore so I would get up in the morning I'd come down and have some breakfast and I'd be like okay time to go back to bed now it's starting to hurt so it was just a tremendous so much weight on the front of my body that the back of my body was just in so much pain um and that was really the main issue that I dealt with was how can I possibly be comfortable because it just was incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. And so how far along were you when they decided, okay, it's time for these babies? So I went in for an appointment. I was 33 weeks and five days. Wow. Um, so we went much further than, than ever expected, which was incredible. Um, and for my appointment that day, my blood pressure was slightly elevated um, and then they did an ultrasound, um, and Logan, one of our boys, had kind of disappeared behind everybody else, and so they couldn't find him on the ultrasound anymore, which was obviously a concern because they couldn't track him. And then one of our boys, Axel, had been kind of wedged up under one of my ribs, and so on that same day, they were worried about his growth because it had slowed down considerably compared with everybody else's. And so with those three things combined, it was today today's the day we're gonna have these babies so mm. um i i drove home to because i wasn't expecting that at all so i drove home and spent a few hours with my daughter and they scheduled me for my c-section um i think it was at six o'clock that night so i had wow. a little time with my mum and my daughter and then headed back to the hospital with my husband and, and wow. then life got really crazy yeah so you go from driving away from a home where you have one daughter at home and you're driving to the hospital knowing i'm going to deliver quadruplets what do you even remember what was going through your mind was it a feeling of peace like okay we made it this far we're gonna do this or was there mixed emotions how are you feeling 
Um, so I, my whole pregnancy, I had been really terrified of them being born. Like that sounds so bad, but like they're in my belly, they're doing just fine in there. And I was so afraid of what in the world was going to happen once they were born. So I definitely still had those feelings of how are we going to do this? Um, but I was also so excited to meet them. Like my pregnancy with them had gone on longer than anyone was expecting it to. And so um, it was just at a point that it was like, I'm ready for this to happen. Mm. Um, so mixed emotions. And then it's just hard to fathom, like, we will have five children in in an hour. It, yeah. it just is it's so bizarre. <laughs> it is. It is. And especially with a C-section, right? You had a C-section? Yes. Yeah. Yes, so correct. they just, they hand you, in the end, four babies. What? Yeah. And what was that like, <laughs> meeting all of those babies? Yeah, it was, it was, I, so I was the, the one in however many that reacted badly to the anesthesia. Oh, no. So I was, I was throwing up during the whole thing. Oh, And miserable. they would bring the babies over to meet me, and I would just throw up in a bucket, and I'm like, that's their first impression of their mum. <laughs> that's so sad, but, um, but it was, it was amazing, and it sounded, I remember thinking, it sounds like baby cats meowing, like, their teeny little cries, like, it was... It was incredible to listen to, and the room was just full of nurses because each baby had their own team of um, of nurses and a doctor in there, and so there were there were all there were just people everywhere, and it was so surreal to just be laying there throwing up, just kind mm-hmm. of watching it all happen around me. It was just very wow. surreal. <laughs> wow! And what was the state of their health when they were born? Um, they were they were all actually really really healthy. Um, we had very few complications. I, uh, Mina, our daughter, was put on CPAP, so she had a little help with breathing on that first night. Um, and one of our boys, um, Archer, had an oxygen tube as well. Um, Axel, who they had been worried about, he was the one who was growth restricted. Um, and he was he was smaller than the other children, um, but he didn't need any sort of extra help like wow. he was this tiny but strong baby and and a logan too the other one that they had been worried about was completely fine and didn't need any oxygen and then when i woke up the next morning i called down to the nicu and mina and archer no longer had their oxygen either so wow they were they were amazingly healthy they were just so small that's a so miracle they needed to learn to eat and grow but it was it was incredible. What was their weight range? Um, so Mina was our biggest, and she was four pounds three ounces. <laughs> and then Axel was the smallest, and he was two pounds fifteen. Oh, at two pounds fifteen ounces, they can hardly yeah. have any health issues. That is no unbelievable yeah. to me. It 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 was, and I remember all wow. the nurses saying, like every day we would go visit, and they would say this never happens right. like, this is not and I'm like I I believe it like my right. whole pregnancy is like this never happens it went so smoothly and you know they're right this it doesn't normally go that way we we're incredibly blessed oh that is just amazing and you had what 15 days in the NICU for the babies yes 15 yeah. days what yeah they it and it, well so I'd gone to visit on the 15th day I'd been there in the morning and I had a feeling something was coming. The nurses were not uh, at liberty to say, but I think they already knew because the, the, the all four of them had been doing so well. 
And on my drive home, I get a call. I turn on the speakerphone, and it's the doctor calling to say, all of your children can come home this evening. Wow. So it was it was it that was very unexpected we were thinking it would be a trickle home one at a time which is normally the situation but yeah they all came home with us that day and so it was just baptism by fire (laughs) and what kind of car did you drive in like how did the logistics work did you have enough diapers what are we talking about here (laughs) (laughs) so we we got we bought a a honda odyssey Uh and uh we just about could fit everybody's car seats in there but there definitely was not room to spare so we had when we were coming down from the from the NICU we had nurses carrying car seats and other people following with all of the supplies that we were taking home with us so there was this whole team to get us in the car and it's January in Chicago so it's outrageously cold and there was a snowstorm coming and so it was just a mission and we knew they were due to be fed at a certain time and so there was this window of get them home because as soon as they're home they're going to be ready to eat and so it was just like this military operation to get everybody in the car and get us on the road in time to be home in order to feed them so I'm sure I'm sure that must have been yeah puzzle piecing all those car seats together and everything yeah Yeah. and you must felt pretty accomplished once everybody was in and buckled and you could drive yeah like we did it oh my gosh first step first step (laughs) and then of course the whole entire way home I'm just like turning around the whole time watching making sure everyone's surviving I think I sat in the back actually if I remember right so that I could reach everybody right so just so people have a visual I'm sure they'll visit your Instagram but so you had your daughter at home who was how old she was four when they were born. Okay. And then you had one girl and three boys for your yes. qu- or quads, right? Okay. Yes. Okay. So at that point, you have two girls and three boys in your family. You instantly become a family of seven overnight. Yeah. And unbelievable. <laughs> and so how quickly, how were those early days and how quickly did you start to feel like, okay, we can maybe do this? Because I can only imagine the baptism by fire like you were saying in those first weeks yeah it was it was uh just hit the ground running I remember just we were just always busy there was never a moment to just sit Mm -hmm. there was always something that needed to be done um and I I it was a blessing for us that the children were all on, on a schedule from being in the hospital they we knew every three hours that's when they eat um um, and so we just we stuck to the schedule that they'd come home with, and I think that's what made things more manageable, um, as manageable as it could be. Um, and I remember on the days that if somebody, if I let somebody nap longer, or didn't feed them for some reason at the same time as everybody else, it just threw everything off. Mm. So we just learned it has to be the routine. Like nothing is allowed to interfere with the routine. Um, we we are on a schedule no matter what. <laughs> right. It's not worth disrupting that for any, for 15 minutes extra of napping or something. You're right. like, nope, exactly. that's going to throw us off. Oh um, my gosh. We were, we were super blessed. Like we, the the women that we went to church with were amazing. Um, there was a, a lady that would come over every morning and help me feed them. And then she would take home a basket of laundry every night and bring it back clean and folded ready for us. And there were so many people like that who just did small things to make our burden lighter so that we could just focus on the kids and people would help with other stuff. I remember 
one morning, um, one of my friends was, she'd helped me feed the babies and then we'd laid them down for naps. I passed out on the couch and when I woke up, all of the bottles were washed and, and she'd just snuck out. Like nobody waited for, around for thanks. It was just, people saw a need and just, just stepped in and it was, it was incredible. Like we were so blessed with who we were surrounded by. Mm. Um, and that made such a difference in, in what we could manage. Um, and like, I, yeah, we couldn't have done it without the, the support system that we had. Well, yeah, and I'm sure that when you're in the thick of it, you hardly have even the time or the energy to re- extend that offer or that that ask yeah. to people. Like, well, oh, a lot of, I really need A lot need of the help. time, like, I was so exhausted, I couldn't even think, what do I need? Right. Like, someone would say, what do you need? And I'm like, I, I don't I even just, know. I don't even know. I know we need things. And yeah. so <laughs> it, was, it was amazing that, like, people could just see you need this or you probably didn't get time for lunch today. Look, I'd, here's some lunch. I am going to drop it off. Mm. Like, uh, and people just were able to see what I need without me telling them because yeah. I was just too exhausted to even think about it. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's a great, it's a great thing for people to recognize. Like just because somebody's not specifically saying what they need, when you see a need and you can think, you know, what would I maybe need in that situation? What could make my life easier? Just do that. Yeah. Show up, fold yeah. that laundry, wash right, those absolutely. bottles, hold the babies, yeah. you know, whatever it is um, so that mom can shower. Just show up. Just show up. Don't wait to be asked. Right. Exactly. For yeah. sure. And it was amazing. Like there's, there's such a difference between thinking, oh, that must be hard and thinking, what can I do to make yes. it easier? Ah, I love we that. were surrounded by people who thought that way and just were incredible. And like, it means the world to me. And they probably don't even remember those, those acts of kindness. But I remember each and every one. And it just m- meant the entire world to have those people step in. And like I said, we were new in that area. We didn't know, we didn't know people super well, but they stepped in anyway. And mm-hmm. it was incredible. And so let's fast forward just a little length of time. When did you decide yeah, let's move our huge family with all these car seats and all these babies. Let's just move halfway around the world again to Japan. When did you decide that? Well, I love, I love your gumption. I love it so much, Rachel. (laughs) So we were at a point like career wise for my husband. um, He needed to do something operational. So that meant he either needed to go on a ship or he needed to go to a duty station where his family could not be with him. Or option number three was we could do something operational with the Marines in Okinawa, um, and that was a station where families could come to. Mm. And so for us, like any option where dad was not going to be there for nine months was just not not an option we were like yeah. that's not an option at <laughs> yeah. this point like I understand we're in the navy ship duty is going to happen at some point but that point cannot be now and so it was more out of self-preservation than anything else it wasn't like wanderlust or feeling adventurous it was just <laughs> how can we fulfill this need to be operational in the way that is uh the, the easiest hopefully on our on our family and so we, 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 we figured it's going to be better to keep us all together, even though flying across the world just sounded like an absolute nightmare. Right. Um, and so we, we, we put in that option as our first choice was to come to Okinawa and be operational with the Marines. And we were expecting to be told no. I mean, anyone with a family that big expects to be told no to that. But when we got the yes, that was a, 
a surprise, but it was a it was a good surprise because it meant okay, that means we get Daddy home with us for the three years that we'll be out there. So what cracks me up is there's not too many things that are more challenging than moving to a foreign country with a completely different language and overseas mm-hmm. and shipping things. But literally, that sounded easier than <laughs> solo parenting the crew that you had. No, that, that that's just my favorite thing. I probably should have just moved in with, like, great-grandma or something. No, but. no, but look at you now. So how long have you been in Japan? Um, almost two years. This summer okay. it will be two years. And what did you think when you first arrived? What were the best parts that you found, the hardest parts, and what has your experience been like? Um. It's, it was a roller coaster. I, I think because I'd moved to a different country before, mm-hmm. I was thinking, I've got this, I can do this, it's not a problem. And I didn't account for the language barrier and the incredibly different culture. And so it, I feel like for the first six months that we were here, I was just kind of, I was still trying to figure out what the heck our new normal was like it was just so so different and like I said we went from having that amazing support system to okay now it's us in a different country and we don't know anybody and it's really just us doing this now it was a challenging transition when we got here um but it's been wonderful um I would say the best part of being here is Okinawa is just incredibly safe the crime rates are so low it's hard to even fathom you'll see like three-year-olds out walking by themselves and it's 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 so it's safe to do that which just blows blows my mind but Mm. it's incredible to live somewhere where you do have that sense of of safety um and I'm someone who's anxious I'm anytime I was out with the kids um especially once they were mobile I was just this ball of anxiety of kind of trying to keep track of them all hmm. and here I feel a little calmer because because I know how safe it is if that makes sense and like, obviously yeah. I'm still going to do everything I can to keep them in my sight but if for a second someone disappears I don't go to complete panic mode immediately which is it's just been nice to have that feeling of of safety yeah um, no I hear you yeah and for and for many people that would consider living abroad who are not military there's not that same sense of like built-in safety and comfort and ease necessarily I mean military is anything but easy a lot of times but but just for the sake of moving internationally it is e- one of the easier ways to move abroad yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah um, I, I, I then one of the great things here too is that it's such a family-oriented culture um and I, I love it because we never hear anything negative like mm. about our family sites which has just been really nice wow. everybody like all the Japanese people that we meet just say oh what a blessing or they'll they'll comment on how cute our kids are and how wonderful that we have this big family so it's just that that culture of respect for children and and for for families is we just, it's just been great we, we really appreciate that about Okinawa I bet um, do they want pictures everywhere you go are you kind of a fascinating oh, family? We, yeah. Yes, we are basically a tourist attraction, <laughs> yeah. wherever we are. Oh, I bet yes. that is so fun. And you are a babe yourself, and so you are just a, you just are a beautiful family. And yeah, I would imagine seeing a happy family with a mom that loves these kids. And yes, you're an anomaly having all these little ones, you know, under a certain age, but. 
But gosh, like what a refreshing view for people to yeah. see, you know? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's, it's it. my, like my, my favorite story from being out here. I took the kids to the aquarium. There's, uh, they were in our quad stroller at the time, which we've now beaten up and it doesn't, the wheels fell off. But so they, all four of them were in there. They weigh about a hundred pounds and the aquarium we were at is at the bottom of a really steep hill. So I'm trying to push this stroller up this really steep hill. I'm obviously struggling. Um, and this Japanese lady just comes in, doesn't say a word, grabs the the, st- the handle with me. Her son grabs the front and starts pulling. And like, just no, like not even words are exchanged, but they're just like, I don't know, it's amazing. I just like, the people here are just wonderful. And so I'm like, it's such a, it's been such a blessing to to be here from that point of view. And it's like, we don't have a family support system, but mm-hmm. wherever we go, we take pictures with people and they'll help <laughs> us out with whatever we are doing. Like it's, it's been really great. I love that. I'm so glad for you that you have that, that village, even if you're not near your blood relatives. Yeah, I think in that's an awesome. unexpected way. Yeah, yes. that's amazing. And so being from England, coming to the United States, having your husband in the U.S. military, it's kind of a foreign concept to you, I'm sure. What has your experience been like being a military spouse? Um, how has it impacted you as a person, as a family, the ups, the downs? Give people a little insight into into that aspect of your life. Sure. Um, it's been great. It's nice to see my husband do something that he is so proud of. Mm. Like, his, both of his grandfathers were in the military and so is his dad. And so I know he takes a lot of pride in that he's part of that legacy. Um, and so that's just like really touching to me. Um, and I think a lot of times people meet me and they, they think, why are you here? Because obviously with the accent, I stand out pretty, <laughs> pretty easily. Um, but I think... Um, it's been interesting and it's opened my eyes. I mean, it's true of military service members of any country, but you really see firsthand the sacrifices that, that are being made. Um, and it just like brings so much like reverence to it, especially being here out here with the Marines. Um, I remember one day I took the kids up and we met my husband for lunch. Um, and we were on a Marine camp just in the food court, but it's, it's all, um, only, it was all like single, not single Marines, because a lot of them are married, but it was just mm-hmm. them that were there. Their families are not able to be here. Sure. And um, we had several of them come up to us and comment on our family and tell us about their family and their kids back at home. And they were obviously like, just loved seeing our kids because it reminded them of, of their own kids. And so it it just like hits home how much people do give up on a, on a daily basis. Hmm. Um, and... It, like that just really really touched me um and i think just understanding more that that level of sacrifice that goes on all the time that people don't even realize right. and i think for us i mean we there there's such a sense of community among um like the the military spouses that i've met it's mm-hmm. been really nice to just have built-in friends and people who automatically you know, there's, it's like a no questions asked kind of thing. You just, we're all here together. We're all without our family. We all have that in common. Mm-hmm. And and so you just have this built-in kind of friendship network that is really nice. All the etiquette and the 
the military rules that is still a big learning curve for me i'm kind of learning as i go because i do it's not my background at all you can get by because there's people that will kind of guide you and help you out and yeah it's been really nice to have that that network wherever we are that it's just this kind of we need to put down these roots quickly we mm -hmm. all need to do it like we are friends we're here for x amount of time let's make the most of it yeah, I agree. And I think whenever you move to a new place, there can be that struggle with finding your people and finding people that you connect with. And and it's so yeah. nice to have that common thread of the military. Because even people where you don't have a lot else in common, even just living abroad or being away from your family or missing them or whatever, that bonds yeah. you too. And when we yeah, were from does. California and when we lived in Virginia, we would have single um Navy folks over like every Sunday night for dinner and it gave them a sense of family and home cooked meal and it was just incorporating part of their life that was missing in that season and they loved having Nerf Wars with my kids and you know and I just really yeah. appreciate those friendships so so much as we were able to to really just band together I agree that is one of the most special parts definitely I love it that's so awesome and is there anything that you've learned from moving around um so far people always ask me for moving around tips and making friends is there any tips that you have taken away from this experience for yourself um i've just learned um not to wait like i it's more my my best personality to be in the background and be a little bit of a wallflower um and it's just taught me get out of your comfort zone like if you see somebody sitting by themselves go talk to them you know mm -hmm. like it's taught me that i need to be the one to make the first step and not to wait for somebody else to come to me, if that makes sense. Um, and just to be more proactive. I feel like my attitude is just kind of got to get on with it, you know. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that kind of serves everybody well if we, you know, you just you kind of just have to step up and do it. And I've just learned, like, show up and, and get on with it. And that applies to everything, like, especially with making new friends, I just found whether it's my comfort zone or not to go up and talk to strangers, like I just learned to do it. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's, and it's never been met badly. Like people always appreciate somebody being welcoming or making a kind comment. And so it's just helped me to be more open with people. Um, and I think as far as moving goes, I've learned that we can be happy without a lot of stuff <laughs> mm -hmm. so where our weight limit to come here was very small and so we really didn't bring much at all um and so i think that for anybody who's in that situation where they're moving around a lot just to to minimize and simplify what you have in your home and then it makes it so much easier when you do have to get up and go that you can take those things that do have meaning and value and the rest of it just doesn't matter I totally agree. Yeah, one of the tips that I give people is create the invitation you would want to receive. So like you said, not sitting back and waiting for somebody to come up to you or knock on your door. When they don't even know you exist, you have to be the one to step out first. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Be bold in that. I people love it. will appreciate it. That's a much better way to put it. Yes, no. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> well, now you can use that. But it's the same sentiment. It's the same sentiment that yes. you were saying. And yeah. so I just, oh man, we could talk forever. I just find you fascinating and incredible and extraordinary and all the things, Rachel. I, I want to be best friends with you. You have gone through so many changes in your life, leaving Europe, joining the military with your husband, having quads, moving abroad, all of these things. 
I bet you're a much different person than when you started out on this journey. How have all of these things in your life contributed to the person you are today? And maybe how has it affected your motherhood and the way you view that role? I just have a sense of gratitude for my children that I don't think will ever go away. Um, Especially, I mean, we're so lucky that our children are all healthy they're all thriving and we honestly didn't expect that like our our story especially with the quads just like did not turn out the way that we were expecting it to and so like every day there's just this sense of gratitude that they're here that they're healthy that they are and they're just wonderful and they're loud and our our house is crazy Mm -hmm. but like every day we we have that to be grateful for um and I, I feel like as a mother, that just makes me better able to manage those challenging days. I I make a point of not complaining about our situation. <laughs> I think people expect me to, and I make a point of not doing that because at the end of the day, like I adore my children and I'm grateful for each and every one of them. And so mm. I I just I that that's something as a mother I really feel that I only ever want them to feel that sense of my mom is my parents love me they are proud of me they're grateful for me and and not like they're an inconvenience or a challenge or a difficulty Mm. when I think back like a decade ago I think I am a more I think I have more empathy for people especially um people going through struggles with infertility like I I understand those feelings and I, I, I try and be aware and cognizant of that um, and to, you know, not ask those personal questions that those women, a lot of times it can be heartbreaking to have someone ask you, when's your next one coming and, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. so I try and be cognizant of that when I'm around other people. I, I hope I'm a more empathetic person through through that process. Yeah. Um, and I, I think... Um, being, the, it, being a military spouse and our situation has just in gen- general made me a more confident person. Like, because I, I have to rely on, on myself a lot of the time, um, it's, it's helped me realize that I'm capable of a lot more than I ever thought that I was. Yes, you are. Look at yes, my you life are. now versus like what I expected my life to maybe be like. It is so different, and I don't think I would even believe it if somebody told me a decade ago where we would be or what we would be doing, but it it really helps me feel like I am a powerful person, like I can can do things I I didn't think I was capable of, and I'm sure that's true of everybody, like we set these limitations on ourselves, but but it just, my, my life has taught me like I, we can do this, like I, I can take on that challenge, and I can do more than I think that I'm capable of doing. That is such a great lesson that comes as a product of motherhood and life experience. And it's just such a beautiful thing to think how many years we have left to live with that knowledge of of our own power and of our own ability to contribute great things to this world because there's greatness inside of us, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So exciting. I love it. Rachel, you're the best. I just want to talk all day. But where can people find you online? Um, so I have an Instagram account, um, and that is called The Other Quadruplets. And there's a dot in between each word. Okay. So I love to post pictures on there. That's really my, my go-to. So, 
Yes, come and check out my my cute children. They yes. are adorable. They <laughs> are adorable. They are all adorable. And yeah, I just love following along with that journey. This has been such a treat, Rachel. I think you're just so incredible. I always ask my guests just one final question, and it's this. What would you tell your pre-motherhood self? I think along those same lines of don't think small, think big, because I can do whatever I want. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just to have that perspective of I'm a powerful person and I'm capable and um, to to set the bar high and uh, and always make new goals and work hard. Love it. Rachel, thank you so much for taking the time. I'm so glad we were able to get this scheduled and I just want to acknowledge you for your family's military service. It is no small sacrifice to be a part of the military. And so we recognize your family and all the military families listening on this 4th of July. Even, I don't know, how much do they celebrate over in Japan? (laughs) Oh, there's pretty great fireworks. My kids have been looking forward to it since the last 4th of July. Oh, awesome. We'll be enjoying fireworks over the ocean. (laughs) Perfect, perfect. Well, this will air on July 3rd here, but that means that it will air on july 4th there so that's awesome awesome. so you get to hear it first perfect (laughs) rachel thanks so much for taking the time good luck to your family and we're just excited to follow along with the rest of your family's journey thank you so much wasn't that just such a great conversation i want to thank rachel for coming on the show we were able to finagle all the time zone issues and make it happen and i just want to wish her and everybody listening a very happy fourth of july to all the fellow military families out there thank you for your service and for your sacrifice hopefully this gives you a little bit more insight to what military life is like I'm going to be joining you on Friday for a solo episode about my military journey as a spouse in the military and what that has been like since our family joined the Navy a few years ago. So make sure you're subscribed and tuned in on Friday for that episode as well. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at jessicadalquist3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Links to Rachel's family pictures and how to follow her on Instagram and everything, as well as past guests and episodes, are all over at our website at extraordinarymomspodcast.com. So tune in this Friday for my solo episode, and I hope you'll join me back there. Thanks for tuning in today, and we'll see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.